0: Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 123. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Kevin Klein of the band Valley Heart. Um, If you guys haven't checked them out, you definitely need to put them on your radar. Uh, I say that about a lot of bands, I know, but I really believe that A lot of the bands that I've, you know, had the pleasure of having on the show uh, really are breaking into the scene and, you know, truly making an impact in their own unique ways. Um, Sorry this episode is coming out a little bit later than normal. Uh, Earlier this week, I was tested positive for COVID again. Uh, And if you guys know anything about my previous bout with COVID, uh, it tried to kill me. Uh, Luckily, this time, not near as bad. Uh, I actually, as of me recording this intro about an hour ago, um, not even quite an hour ago, tested negative for the second time today. So, uh, things are looking better. Uh, Just getting over those last couple little lingering things, like getting some of that sinus drainage out. Not that you guys give a shit. But, anyway, my conversation with Kevin... uh, great time talking to him you know we have a lot in common we had a great time talking about um the development of the band's sound and their new album heal my head which as of this episode coming out has dropped about a week and a half ago um and you know they just did an amazing job with this you know i think it's Got a little bit of everything on it, so kind of regardless of whatever genre you're used to or, you know, that you prefer, there's probably at least one or two songs on this album that are going to resonate with you. Uh, definitely think you need to check it out. We talked about uh, also kind of taking it back to the DIY style. You know, it was it was primarily... Um, Kevin Klein from the band Valley Heart uh but also Kevin Billingsley who helped with their last record um and you know did some collaboration co-production things like that you know and um it it's just really cool to see when control was put back in the band's responsibility is how I want to put that, you know, like there wasn't necessarily somebody that they could just hand everything over to at the end of the day and say, well, go, go make it sound like it's supposed to sound. Um, The band took ownership of it and it really shows in this record. And I think that there's a lot that's going to come through for you guys uh, that you'll see kind of that passion. Um, You know, when it's your own work and you're, Producing it and making sure the mixes and masters are the way that you want them. It's a really empowering feeling. Uh, And then on top of that, you know, obviously now to have released it to the world and seeing people resonate with different things that you wrote. And this album specifically has some pretty heavy topics in it. Um, Kevin and I talked a little bit about that as well. So let's just do it. Let's dive into this this week's episode, this conversation. Um, here's my conversation with Kevin Klein of Valley Heart. Man, uh, so to start things off, I do start off with the same boring ass question every time. That's the simple introduction, man. Who are you? What do you do? And why are we having this conversation?
1: Yeah, so my name is Kevin Klein, and I play guitar and sing uh, and produce in Valley Heart. Awesome. and i'm here to uh chat about Valley art and to chat about our new album heal my head
0: yeah yeah, yeah. awesome um so it, for people that aren't familiar with you guys yet um you've been around a little while you know especially when you consider the the broad landscape of of the music industry right like mm-hmm. to say that you've lasted more than five or six years is a testament and in today's Mm -hmm. terms especially after the COVID years uh what's it been like for you guys you know kind of since formation and and building this grassroots movement of fan base for you yeah we formed in
1: 2016 so yeah over over five years now yeah wow time is crazy um (laughs) yeah it's it's been a ride man it's i think like you said it's it's a hard journey and but one that has great highs and sometimes some low lows and um you know i think for us it's just always been about writing what feels normal and natural and and feels right to us and having people come along that resonate with that whether it be the lyrics or the the instrumentation the, the music um just to write stuff that we're excited to play excited to share with people and that inspires people and i think that sound has changed throughout our records and will probably continue to change just because there's never a snapshot in time where you're sort of into the same things. Right. Right. Um, But I think the heart of the project is just to always write what feels true, write what feels honest, again, lyrically or musically. Um, And I think people seem, a group of people seem to resonate with that and the story that we have. And uh, yeah, we're still very much in the growth process, which is really cool and really exciting um, in no sense of a, word have we arrived in any way or like have like a set fan still feels like we have this like hunger inside of us to to keep uh to keep growing and to keep reaching new people so that's what we're doing with this uh this will be our second album heal my head yeah yeah, yeah.
0: awesome yeah i think you know with you guys it, it was one of those things that it felt like you know from my perspective on the music journalism side mm-hmm. as you guys were building that momentum and then COVID hit and it was like oh shit like
1: yeah,
0: you really I, I felt bad for a lot of artists like you in that in that perfect you know realm of things are starting to go the right way and, mm-hmm. and things were really starting to build that momentum. Yeah. And then COVID hit and it was like, oh, we have to put the brakes on everything we've been doing and right. completely change direction. How? I guess it's going to be, you know, kind of the sad point of the, the conversation. But how disheartening was that, you know, because you guys were making some pretty big strides and then COVID came along. What was that for morale for you guys? Yeah, you know, I think it was tough. However, I think we tried to make the
1: best of it with the situation that we had that we were all in. Um, and at the time we pressed our first album for the first time on vinyl, which had come out in 2018, but we hadn't been able to produce the vinyl until 2020. So there was sort of that project that didn't require sort of being on the road or anything necessarily. It, it required a lot of just organization and we did it all ourselves. And and so in that sense, we were able to keep busy with that. And then a lot of it was just writing for what is now this record. So, you know, I think it was maybe from the outside, a slow time, one that didn't seem like there was a lot going on. But internally, there was definitely a lot happening. And I think we're now starting to harvest the fruits of whatever we were uh, planting at that time, being the songwriting, the planning, the the album, the, the vinyl, and the new fans that we made, you know, online, which I think there's a, you know, there's a way you make fans on tour. And I think there's still such a place for that. And but there's also just like people finding your music on online and, and you connecting through that. So, you know, it was, it was, it was tough in the sense of emotionally speaking tough, but I think logistically and, and how it, I, we definitely have seen growth, like even during 2020 and 2021, and whether that's people just staying more at home and like checking out new music and uh yeah, it seems like there's just more people coming on board, which is really, really cool and encouraging to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Talk a little bit about trying to stay out of, you know, like you said, you were doing so much writing during the COVID years. How did you stay out of that, like, kind of melancholy headspace to write this record and not, you know, suck yourself into, okay, everything sucks?
1: Yeah. Oh, man, I definitely was in that space. Like, I think a lot of us were, right, where there was no... Because I think you answer that question in, in normal times with like, oh, I just stay busy and I did this and I went there and I did I traveled. And then, you know, there was none of that. There was right. just you sitting with your thoughts and your past and your future and any uncertainty of the future. Um, so I don't think I necessarily used uh, music to sort of defer from that state of mind rather than really lean into it through music and ask those questions and deal with those questions and those uncertainties through these songs of what they came out to be. So I definitely, it was a form of therapy and of, of expression and a thing that kept us going uh, a whole lot. And for me, lyrically speaking, writing about all those things, but even just meeting with the guys and having the opportunity to be creative and to to write, you know, felt really, really nice in a time that felt very isolating and felt like you weren't, you know, felt you felt feeling distant from people. So it was really nice to sort of have that camaraderie and to have that collaboration still.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've heard the album already and I love it. So a plus there uh, for whatever Thank that's you. worth, you know. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> but no, I think, you know, for me, you know, listening to the album now, knowing that you, you know, wrote it through the the years of COVID and whatnot, um, it, it almost feels like to me that it was, you know, like you said, a form of therapy to some extent, but also a little bit of like an escapist thing, right? Like Mm. this is, I'm going to escape into the music so that I'm not stuck in my head with that one singular thought. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, things got dark, right? Like, again, I know know this isn't just my story and experiences. I think a lot of us had to deal with the things that we had maybe been busy enough to put off for many years. And you know, it was a very hard time, but I think one that hopefully has led to a lot of growth for people. I know it has for me. And it feels really exciting to like have an album that reminds me of that process. And like, it's almost like a trinket of that in a sad way, but also in a beautiful way of like, this was me processing all those things. And, you know, not that I'm on the other side of all of it completely, but just of like oh wow, there's a, there's been a journey and sort of, it's like a photo, right? It's like taking a picture of that moment and you're like, can appreciate how it's changed and this record definitely feels like that for for that period of time.
0: Awesome. Um, so you guys have always been kind of DIY slash internal with everything, you know, like you do a lot of your own mixing and engineering and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How important is that to you to keep the authenticity? Um, and is it? I don't. <laughs> I don't have a way to ask this that doesn't sound like a, a negative comment, and I don't mean it that way, but. Was it more of a control thing where you couldn't give up control to someone oh, else? Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, that's a great, I think about this all the time and have a lot of conversations with my friends in music and in audio about the pros and cons of sort of like being the captain of your ship mixing wise and engineering right. wise. Um, there are definitely benefits. Um, there are definitely cons, I would say too. Uh, the benefits are, I think it's, I think, It's so cool when you see mixing and engineering and production as a different language. And in a way there's the songwriting and then there's the production and they're linked, but production and mixing and how things balance and depth and brightness and darkness and dynamic is a whole art within itself. And it's a whole, uh, you can elicit emotion in that way, right? Like just how your lyrics might hit a certain way or your vocal dynamic might sort of pull back and then hit. Like there's a lot of those elements that you can play with in the mixing. And I think for me, I just was like it felt like an extension of like cool, like I can even hit harder or express this even further into like learning about mixing tactic tactics and, and engineering and like getting different sounds. Um so for me it was always about extending like I hear a sound in my head, like how do I how do I get that sound? And I think that was always the drive for me. And at first it was like, oh no, these are just demos and demos. And then I was like, wait, no, these sounds are getting close to what I'm hearing. And it's just always about chasing that and and uh yeah, definitely still. I've been doing some mixed work for, for Valley Heart, but also for other people recently, which has been really fun, but definitely still learning a lot and, and have a, a big journey. And you're always learning, right? And uh, yeah. But it's been it's been good. Those are the positives, right? To, to have that control in the sense of, I think when you're working with not just engineers, but you're working, let's say, with a collaborator visually for an album artwork, right? You have this vision and you relay it. And then that vision gets filtered through someone else's perspective and paradigm, right? Yeah. And a lot of times that is called collaboration and what comes out is this like better product than you could have ever imagined. And that's a lot of the case if you're working with the right people that are like invested in your vision, that understand your vision. Um, and then sometimes it's it's still good, it's just not what you pictured it to be. Um, and you like have a specific vision. So I think a lot of it was like, I wanna at least have the ability to get close to what I hear and then have still collaborate with people to get it even closer. But I didn't want to just throw my hands up in the air and be like, I'm just a songwriter, I'm just a guitarist. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'll just trust other people. Because for me, it's such a big part, soundscaping and sound engineering. It's such a big part of how music is made and it's such an important part. And you you could have five different producers produce the same song. It's going to be a completely different song every time. Um, so, yeah, and by no means, there's definitely a balance. The cons are you can get totally wrapped up in your own world, get stuck in these feedback loops <laughs> of never knowing when things are done or when they're good and you can lose sight, right? Because you don't have that other person to bounce back with. Right. So for this album, we I co-produced it, co-mixed it, and co-engineered it with Kevin Billingsley, um, who's a dear friend and an amazing, amazing talent. Um, he did our last record, and he was super open to like, being that guy that like we kind of collaborated and worked together so that i wasn't getting lost in the whole of like i want to do it all myself for like 12 songs and all of a sudden it's taking four years to record a record (laughs) and to finish it but he was that like anchor of like no like we need to put deadlines and you know act as kind of like an executive producer um but still allowed me to like experiment and have the freedoms and and it was really really collaborative process and it was really cool
0: yeah and uh, you know something that you said in there that that really kind of perked me up a little bit is the soundscape because i i talk a lot about the the depth of soundscapes when it comes to records and stuff and you know like you have your traditional pop punk albums and some of them are super deep and others are like very surface level pop punk cookie cutter you know Mm -hmm. um and i think the cool thing with you guys not that i would you know roan you back into that group necessarily um of pop punk because i think you're more of like this alt rock, vibe rock type thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's so much depth to the soundscape that you guys create. You know, there's the the more times I listen through this album, the more stuff I picked up on. And I thought mm-hmm. that was an, an incredible, you know, feat for you guys that it's not a, the first time you listen to this, you know, that song inside and out. Like mm-hmm. every time I hit play on a song, I'm like, Oh shit. I didn't even notice that before. Like, That's Oh, there's cool. some depth over here. Like, Where'd that come from? Um, and I think that comes back to what you were just saying about having the control over, you know, the mixing and stuff. Like you get to experiment a little more yeah. with how deep can we go versus, you know, not to knock any engineer or mixer or anything like that, but they're on a time schedule, right? Like we have this project, we have to get it done, we're moving on to the next. Yeah. So you don't get as much freedom and play with some of that. Absolutely. It's a great point. And I think
1: even working with Kev, you know, he works out of a a big, really nice studio, awesome studio called the Halo Studio um, up in Portland, Maine. But we rented that out for a couple weeks. But even then, I was like, man, I feel like I'm going to want more time to experiment. So what we ended up doing was we ended up renting another studio for two weeks or a week and a half um, that we just it's like a studio in Boston that you can rent out. And it's just the place for yourself. If you know how to engineer, you have to do a couple of tests to show them what you know what you're doing. Um, so we just had that time as well, which was a great balance because the time with Kev was like, all right, like, doesn't make sense to like throw a guitar pedal through, you know, a vocal sample and, and do all this crazy stuff when you haven't even cut bass or, or rhythm guitars, you know, you have right. to like stay on track and like not get lost in like, well, we have a week left and we haven't done lead vocals, you know, so we saw that time as like, cool, this is going to be the meat and bones of the record, we're going to get like the backbone of everything And then a lot of that time that we did self-recorded in the other studio, and I did a lot of stuff here in the studio that I'm sitting in right now with key stuff and like background vocals and like all that stuff. It was nice to have like, cool, here's the space to like really just experiment and see what works and not have that pressure of being in like an expensive big studio where like you have to get things done, but we already did that. So we're not gonna compromise on the quality of those aspects as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. And I think, you know, I, I say this all the time about artists that are signed you know you guys are are putting this out with um tooth and nail right now and like and so the record company or the you know the label's cutting the bill so it's not a big deal and it's like yeah but but they have to pay that back so they still need to be aware of all this
1: oh yeah yeah it's never a good idea to be uh you know to be yeah. To be whimsical with money. Like you, you want to have a, an understand. Yeah. You want to be smart about things because they're investing in your vision and you don't want to be sort of, Oh, whatever about it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and even, even if you are going to do that at some point, you owe them money, you know, like, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I tell people all the time, it's a record deal. Doesn't equal a checkbook. It equals a line of credit. And Definitely. all they're doing is they're a credit card for you. Yeah. They pay the bill and then you pay it back over however fucking long that takes you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Which is spooky when you think about it. And, you know, we, we had had a label before and like, had have been doing the thing and, and I wasn't sure I'd want to like sign again, but and Nail came along and aside from just like doing the traditional label thing, they, they were really open and and really passionate about working together and like had all these great ideas and, you just had a team of people that were like really excited. So it's a lot of that too. It's like, you've got to make sure you're linking up with the right people who just like really believe in the project. And and so it's been great in that aspect so far. So
0: yeah. And I mean, you know, Tooth and Nail has been around virtually forever. I mean, our whole lifetime. So yeah, yeah, it's not like they're this new company that doesn't know what they're doing. They definitely have their their feet under them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure um so let's talk a little bit about you know diving into the the record um something i don't do is i don't ask the like direct specifics about a song anymore because i don't like taking that away from anybody you know like i love that I love we that. all make our own connections i don't want to ruin yeah. a connection yeah. for someone
1: um, i always have a hard time with these interviews because I, I do love sharing about accolades like you know these uh antidotes sorry anecdotes about the record but there's like a fine line where it's like man i don't want to like Put on a platter of, like what this song is about because I, I do love that openness with music. Exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Um, so one thing I I do like to talk about is the the over arc. Right. So most bands don't put out true conceptual conceptual albums anymore. Um, and this is by no means a conceptual album, but they there definitely is this kind of overlying arc. So let's talk a little bit about you know what goes into mm-hmm. that process for you cuz like you said you were putting together a ton of songs you know going through and figuring out what fits into this this story that you want to tell with the record
1: yeah well
0: i'm curious cuz i
1: in in a way i always kind of saw this album as a concept album um but that's like so many different definitions of what that means right okay actually.
0: yeah so so my version of conceptual album i think of like Coheed and Cambria, the Amori Wars, like there's a true character, a and story going yeah, on. Yeah, right? yeah, no, no, totally, yeah, definitely,
1: definitely not that. Yeah, no, you're so right. It's 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 interesting. Like Defeater had like a couple, yeah, concept albums, right? Yeah. Where it's like the guy at war, and yeah, yeah, definitely not that. Um, but I don't know. I think, man, making a record is so fun and something that I, till this day, it's like the most fulfilling and like exciting thing to do. It's because you know, I'm never going to write a, a book. Well, maybe I will. I won't say never. But theres it's not in my foreseeable future to, like, write a book. But you have the opportunity to craft a story and 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 create dynamic and push and pull with emotion. And, and I definitely tried doing that with this record. And there are tons of, like, concepts and motifs that, like, definitely parallel within different songs and imagery that pulls from... You know references to the album art and other songs and, and words, so I tried to lace it intentionally so, but I it almost happens naturally sometimes. You're just writing and like some of the same images come up, and then later you're like, Oh wow, I see what this is now. It's you know, it sometimes songs, well, all the time, good songs at least, feel like they're just coming from somewhere, and you're just like, It's more finding them, not making them. You know, you're just like, Oh, cool, like this is flowing that's the best song it's just like it's just coming out of you from somewhere and you don't really know where it is and it's sort of hippy-dippy as that sounds like that's where i find stuff is just happening and i'm like cool like later i'll see what this is i just gotta trust this wave um and then later like when we finish the record still till this day like i'll like listen back or (coughs) excuse me just realize like oh wow like there's a parallel here there's a connection here and i think there are some obvious ones and maybe some more subtle ones but You know, I think another thing we experienced these last couple of years is just like the idea of concept of time and and how it's not as linear as we think and how it can feel worked, depending on our mental state. And if we're like truly present, how it can feel long and beautiful and lush or have memories of childhood and summers and how it felt so long and other times when we're feeling pressed on time pressure time seems to be quick and you don't seem to get a grip on your your moments and your days and your experiences and your conversations with people and that can be really tough and I think this album has a lot to do with like the relationship with time and mental health you know sort of what are those two relationships um so yeah I think that's the sort of overarching concept um but with definitely sub motifs having to do with like nature and um, healing and, and uh, some other some other sort of things as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you know that's a, a really good description of it because, I mean, obviously you wrote it, but like, I, I think for the the listener, I think that's a good like way to view it is, you know, there are these pieces that fit together to form this puzzle. Mm -hmm. but it's not a linear story. You know, like I was saying with like the old Coheed albums and stuff, right. That's a very linear story. This is about like, this emotion overtakes you and you're lost in this for, you know, three or four minutes and then yeah, you come over here and now you're feeling this different thing. And it's just, it's incredible. Like you said, how, you know, and I talk a ton about mental health on my podcast. So like, Mm. you know, the, the feeling you get when you're in a depression, but then when you're having a, a good moment or, you know, like you're around the people that, that you care about and whatnot, it's amazing. Sorry, Did man. I cut out a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw really, it pop up there for yeah, a second.
1: I'm really loving what you're saying. I don't want no, to miss you're good. anything. Cool, cool. <laughs> you're
0: good. Um,
1: Last thing I heard was when you're in a depressive state and then it just
0: cut Okay, Yep. So when you're in a depressive state, like, you know, time typically, at least for me, if I'm in a depressive state, it it's kind of a weird two sides of the coin thing because like time slows down in the sense that I just feel like I've never gotten caught up on things. But then when I look at it, I'm like, I've done so much shit. I just can't f- feel that fulfillment, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um. But then the, yeah. the flip side of that, when, when you're in a, a really good spot, you know, you're around the people you love and care about and friends and things like that. Like a six hour hangout is like, oh shit, that was the best week of my life. And it was yeah. only six hours, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where this album, you know, kind of hits those points too, where there's you can tell when it's a really good spot because it just feels so big and like there's this vast openness and then when it needs you to feel a little anxious it closes down and you're very more very much more structured on the song style yeah that's 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 so good yeah there's definitely that push
1: and pull right because we think of time and we think of a clock and there's like measurable increments between things right. but it's way more complicated than that in our perception of relativity and time and all this stuff and and uh yeah one of the lyrical sort of themes that i repeat multiple times on the record is take all the time that you want and in different contexts but this idea that like i think all of us just feel crowded in our own head in our own sense of time as we move forward with just so much to do as we're busy and there's this and things come up and and uh just to get back to examining your life and in finding those moments again it, it's tough but it's something that is definitely a call to action on this record
0: yeah and i i think that's a incredible reminder for anyone that is having any sort of mental health battles is yeah you know take all the time you need because it's if there's that super cliche saying and i'm i'm going to fuck it up but it's you know uh, a decision made in a second, last a lifetime. Mm. You know, you don't want to make a decision on something in the heat of the moment in anger or whatever, and then regret it for the rest of your life. Like, take the time you need to really absorb what's around you and kind of just go through things, you know, and um,
1: go through things. That's, that's a big part of it. And I was just talking to a friend about it, where I feel like a lot of, of American culture or, you know, we're, we're not taught how to go through things. We're taught how to like go around things or yeah. to go above things, like keep busy, like just keep on trucking along. And, you know, again, with the COVID situation in 2020, there was just like, man, we're all going through it. Like there's no way around this one. Um, so there's just some innate self-reflection that comes with that. And, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm glad for it now. And, i definitely glad to have been able to, to process it. But, but yeah, the, the take all the time that you want that. In the record, it's not written from my perspective even of like telling people that, but it's more like it's times I've heard that and how I needed to hear that most. And um, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think, like I said, I think it's an incredible message for anyone really. Um, so digging into the songs a little bit, uh, like I said, I don't like to ask specifically like, Tell me why you wrote this song and, you know, who's the ex that this is about type of stuff. (laughs) Um, But there are a few songs I wanted to touch on because I think, you know, A, some of them are already singles. But B, like there's there's an expansiveness to some of these songs that I think warrants a little bit of discussion on, like, why there's so much room to breathe Mm. in these songs and things. Um, and the first one for me was "Heal My Head." Mm. I think there's so much room in this song when you're listening to it that you're just like, a, the message is incredible, obviously, mm. but then you you get time to like reflect within the song itself. What went into the kind of the mastering and the, the creation of that?
1: Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are you saying more lyrically or or musically or sort of the whole package?
0: Whole package, really. uh, On that one specifically, I think musically, I had a lot of room to feel. Cool. Cool.
1: Yeah. So Valley Heart songs usually come from a couple different templates of writing styles. One is I'll do a lot. Sometimes I'll just get an idea demoing at home where I'll just be working on something and I'll have a, a logic session up and I'll start just building a song and throwing down some bass, some guitar, some sort of fake drums, um, key stuff, and I'll just build it out as much as I can, and then I'll bring it to the guys, and whether it's, like, fully finished or, like, almost finished, they'll kind of learn the parts I already wrote, maybe, like, tweak some stuff, like, especially drums, like, I'm not really a drummer, so some, you know, the drummer will be like, oh, no, no, like this doesn't really make sense to play it like this, I'm gonna play it like this, you know? Right. Um, but with guitar and bass and like all those other elements, some, a lot of times they're like pretty set in stone and I'll collaborate with, with other members too. We'll also do the same with that and, and they'll sort of be like, oh, I think this would be cool if it was like this. So a lot of times it's like demo based and then sort of the guys will rearrange it and sort of fine tune it. And then the second way we sometimes write is just like, we'll get in a room and just see what happens naturally. Um, yeah. which I love having sort of that spectrum because there are times where I love having that kind of control and like having it come from that very real place of isolation and like being on my own. But then there are times where like, I love how things just sort of happen through collaboration and organically. And it's cool that we don't have either to kind of just point to as just one, but right. with Heal My Head, it was more of the, uh, of the, the, the former, it was very demo based Um, and it was sort of mapped out front to back like completely um, before I even showed the guys Um, and that one uh, the bass and everything so the drums I had just done this like drum machine and it kind of even translates now because that that was actually a real drum kit on the record that made it like we we were like we don't want to because we almost went with like let's just keep the drums from the session because it's kind of glitchy and like kind of industrial sounding and it worked but I was like man it'd be really cool and cohesive to actually mic a kit and like because everything else in the record is mic'd um there's no like samples or anything so like let's let's just like make it cohesive with everything else so there's some really cool ways in the studio that we you know Zach and I and Kevin we got some like towels and we just dampened the hell out of the kit and like really got like a dry sound and just like cranked the gain on the preamps and like the (laughs) compression and like just like had that like really punchy dry sound but like through a real kit um but yeah a lot of the like synth elements in that song were actually from the first demo from like the first couple of days that I wrote it and then we redid a lot of the guitars later but yeah it was just one of those like songs that kind of came out the first day like in the moment like lyrically speaking i'd say um did some like tweaks in the studio but like the good chunk of it was there from the beginning um and yeah i wanted that one to feel you know, the song starts off in like a different time signature than like the second half of the song. And Mm -hmm. there's sort of these shifts that happen musically where it feels pretty streamlined, but it also feels like you're having like a bit of vertigo with like some of the production elements. And with the lyrics, I wanted it to parallel that feeling of like, I'm like trucking along, but I feel like I'm going crazy. Like if I'm, if I stop and like really pay attention, like I'm not okay (laughs) right now. Right. So I, I, in the production, with all these songs but specifically heal my head, I wanted the production to like be very intentional with the lyrics and like ha- create a vibe with the production that mirrored like what I was trying to say lyrically.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I, that's an incredible explanation of it. Cause I, now that you've said it that way, I'm thinking about like how I was feeling listening to it. And I'm like, yeah, no, that that's a really good explanation. Cause it was, it's chaotic, but, but in a singular direction at the same time, like, yeah, there's so much going on and you're just like, lost in moving forward yeah exactly yeah um talk a little bit about your favorite jacket you guys as of us talking right now just dropped that video not too long ago about a little over a week ago i guess um obviously one of the the more fun songs on the album for you guys because obviously it was picked as a single um but what kind of went into to your favorite jacket
1: yeah, that one was was interesting. So Zach, who is our, our drummer, uh, he is more of a recent member, well, I guess two years now. Um, wow. Uh, but it was the first song that we ever jammed together. Um, and it was before I even asked him to join the band when our old drummer moved away and, and transitioned out. Uh, it was just an idea. It's funnily enough, I, he hit me up, he was like, hey man, do you wanna jam tomorrow? I was like, yeah, I'm down. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm gonna jam with this new guy, I don't really know what to play. So I wrote a riff. It ended up being the riff for the intro. And I was like, cool, I guess I'll show him that. And and we just wrote it and I wrote some lyrics. And this was 2019, like a while ago, like a very long yeah. time ago. It's definitely, it was the first song we ever played on the album. Um, and it used to be very different. It, it, it used to be a lot uh, faster. Uh, when we first wrote it, it was this like sort of heavier alternative rock song. And we played it like that for like a year and a half. and the lyrics were similar and the vibe was the same lyrically, but the instrumentation and the arrangement was completely different. There was a different ending, there was a different bridge. Um, and then really just a, like five months before we recorded the record, you know, all the other songs started to take take shape. And we were like, man, this one's just not feeling like it's it's meshing with the other ones. Um and it was a practice Zach and I were, we were jamming and we we're like, man, let's just let's just sh- take the tempo down like 35% and like, let's just do a different drum groove. Let's pull an influence. And, you know, we we, we, we were leaning into something that was more like early 2000s death cab, because the other stuff was starting to sound like that. And this other one just felt like it was not really meshing with the others. And, and we just sort of contextualized the song that we had been playing for like a year, just in a completely new way. And that was a lot of fun to like, really take the song that was pretty much done and be like, no, we're going to like break it down and just add new bass parts, new guitar parts, new tempo, new ending. And it turned into what it is now. And we're really glad we took that risk. Cause it was a risk of like, you know, we were already used to that old version. And uh, so it was really cool to kind of break it down and and do something new. And I think it definitely came out for the better. Um, And then, yeah, lyrically, I sort of had been sitting on this, this, this idea of just, the volatility of, of weather and, and being from New England, there's just a lot of change (laughs) and, you know, we're really living through the seasons and summer's hot and winter is cold and brutal. And, and, uh, just paralleling sort of what we see in nature and weather to like how it feels sometimes certain moods and, uh, sort of the relationship between, between that and like your internal state. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think the, the really cool thing with that, is it goes back to what you said earlier about like sometimes it's hard to tell when art is done. And like, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, I I'm not positive that art is ever truly finished, you know, yeah, like absolutely. it's, it's always, and I think it's especially in the music industry. Like When we talk about the connection that it makes to people, I think that adds to the value of the art. So like, yeah. you know, whether someone just loves the song, cause it makes them want to party or someone's like, Hey, that got me through one of the worst times of my life. Like,
1: yeah, it,
0: it changes the tones of that, you know? And I I've often likened it to like a painting, right? So if it got someone through like really dark times, maybe the the color palette of that painting is a much different color palette yeah. rather than the person that just loves the sound. So that's a super bright and fun one. Yeah. And I think that's the, the amazing thing is with music, you can have that in you know, traditional medium art, you're kind of stuck with what you put on canvas, but it can still evoke different emotion.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I totally see music that way. And, you know, record, even a recording, like even a song conceptually is, is just a snapshot of what that song was at the time, you know, and as you play it live, as culture and times changes that, that may change, right? We're like, there will be a live version and there'll be a live version you play down the line and there could be just sort of reimagined versions. And that helps me because I think I have a lot of decision anxiety when it comes to recording, especially like doing a lot of the mixing, like going back to that sort of control thing, right. Where it's like, this is now the song. Okay. Wow. This is, this is it. Like it's forever this way. And it's like, well, yes, it's going to be recorded in that way, but people will form their own relationships. And even for me, like I am, you know songs can be rearranged and reimagined and I, some of my favorite songs are the ones that stand the test of time in that way where they're able to have different iterations and acoustic versions and all that stuff so the goal is i think to just write a good song and not worry too much about you know the production like definitely focus on the production but just realize that's just one of many versions that will live out there
0: you know right yeah but it it goes into you know, what we've said about making those different connections, like, like you just said, it's that one snapshot, like, we recorded it, we were in this headspace, when we recorded it, we were in the different headspace when we wrote it, like, ideally, those are kind of matched up so that you get the translation that you wanted. Yeah. But then the first time that somebody hears it, it's going to mean a million different things to a million different people. Um, And it gives it gives so much life too, because you know, coming back to the live shows, as live music's coming back, you guys are gonna get out, start performing these, and people are gonna come up to you and now be like, hey, you know, that song means this to me. And you're like, oh shit, like, I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 insane, man. That That is what still gets me going with music. It's like, yeah, once it's out, it's almost out of your hands, right? It's like, it is gonna influence people, it's gonna create connections. Um, in a way that's like out of your control and like kind of accepting that is really beautiful and really cool to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, another one that I wanted to, to touch on is uh, Carousel. I've noticed that it seems to be mostly the longer songs that I <laughs> I seem to focus on for you guys, yeah. but Carousel, I think, you know, like, I don't know if it was an intentional play on words uh, with the title, but it feels like a Carousel. Like there's the ups and downs throughout the song and, It all, you know, is coming back around and everything. And like, I know that's super cheesy, but I think (laughs) it it really does fit that song because while that's not what it was intended with the title, I'm sure as you listen to it, you're like, oh shit, like, you know, the ebb and flow and you come back around to the beginning. Mm -hmm. How did this one kind of formulate for you guys?
1: Yeah, this was one of the ones that I was saying before the two categories of writing styles of sort of demo based not a lot much more added. Uh, This was the one that came pretty organically when we all sort of wrote it together, um, which was really cool because it came together really nicely and has a little bit of all of us like pretty evenly down the middle there, which is, I love, I always love hearing those songs more because it's, I'm like hearing less of myself in a way. I'm like, Oh, like that's, that's Zach on drums. Like that's Chris, that's Fleet. Like I'm hearing other people's parts and I I love that. So yeah, yeah, that one, that was one of the the latter ones, the later ones that we wrote. And uh, I, I think the recording, another case, sometimes there's songs where you're like, Oh, this one's good, but, and then it's recorded, like, wow, this one came out really good. And I think that yeah. was one of those where, like, not that we didn't think it was going to be good, but it was, you know, one of the later tracks and one of the later ones that we wrote. And definitely a little pressed on time, like maybe didn't take as much time jamming that one than we wanted to. But, you know, it all kind of came together in the studio in, like, a really, really cool way. And, you know, the ending of that song, like, just has this feeling that I, we were really going for of Just like, yeah, this moment of just everything feeling like it's sort of hitting at a head. And then the rest of the record after that, the two last songs, like definitely like chill it out a whole bunch. Um, but yeah, that one, I wanted to tie in ideas of, of uh, you know, the, song, the album's called Heal My Head and, and that song's about sort of addiction and going, habits and going back to sort of old things and thinking you're out and in and sort of just being in this like back and forth. Um, and uh, lyrically wanted to take some risks with some like different styles of, of lyrical, devices and and just had fun with that one but about a pretty with serious more serious topics which a lot of this stuff i like to contrast stuff because i don't right i like like another song in the album warning signs it's like probably the heaviest or darkest song but like musically it's probably the brightest and mm-hmm. I, I like having that contrast so that it doesn't feel just overbearing or like sort of like Sometimes like, things feel just like, oh, that's too much like off the bat. I like to like, oh this feels nice, this feels bright. And then if you really sort of lean in you're like, whoa, there's more here. Um, yeah. So I think Carousel is one of those two where it's like it feels like a fun song um, and it is a fun song, but I think the lyrics are like definitely playing on a lot of ideas of, of addiction and and of uh, maybe feeling sort of stuck in, in loops and all that stuff. So
0: yeah, no, I and mean, I love that because you know again with with as much as I talk about mental health, I've battled depression my whole life basically um as long as i can remember Mm. um which may be a sign of depression too they say memory loss is part of that but um, they
1: do that's a big thing
0: yeah Yeah. um but no I, i i love the kind of that dichotomy because you know i think so often we think about whether it's mental health and addiction or or even just nature you know talking back about that yeah like we see storms and we tornadoes or hurricanes and we just see them as this super destructive thing. But like, if you look at photos, especially or videos of like a hurricane pre and post, like there's so much beauty in the sky, you know, the, the sunsets are a little better color, you know, all that sort of stuff. So like there's this beauty within the tragedies that happen. And I think more people just need in their life too, that like, you're going to go through some hard shit and, it's going to be heavy it's going to be dark but there's so much beauty around it
1: yeah man you just you just hit the nail on the head that's exactly the connection to nature on the record it's like if you look around and you see the patterns and you look at animals and you look at like you're saying weather or sort of trees and, and plants it's all there like all the lessons are there you know yeah. and and i think as humans a lot of times we're like you know we don't think about it we in our minds, like, oh, we're the superior being beings, you know, we have a prefrontal cortex, like we make all these decisions and plans, where it's like, you know what, I think sometimes we got to like, look back and, excuse me, realize that we have stuff to learn from, (laughs) from what's around us, right? And, and it's not like where we're just as much a part of this earth as like, the animals are, or like, the the it's raining right now here, and it's so beautiful. And, and I don't know. I, I, am just always trying to untangle that narrative in my head. I just always felt like I can, we have that main character syndrome of like, I'm like, we're humans. Like we own the earth where it's like, no, no, yeah. we're just, we're, we're like a tree. Like we're just as much a part of this thing.
0: That's like floating yeah. in space as everything else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're a passenger on a rock floating through space. That's it's all wild. we are.
1: And it's, and it's fucked up, man. And it's, but it's also like somehow like really amazing. Um, and it, I, I think a lot of times, like someone who struggled with depression as well as what you're saying, like that idea of like, we're just on a rock floating through space is like really been heavy and like dark, like led me to some yeah. dark places, but i been mean, trying to reframe that truth of, of maybe that's what makes this all worth it. Like maybe that's what makes my relationship with my friends and and my partner and, and the little things that get me going. And, and maybe that's what makes the smaller things beautiful. The fact that that is true, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I talk a lot about, I tell everybody that I, (laughs) it's kind of my, my one soapbox that I really get on Love it. the first time you listen to the first three times, ideally you listen to a record, it should be front to back. How important Mm. is this to you? Because for me, it's the first time is that surface level. Listen, just see where it hooks you just kind of let it play in the background. The second time is start investigating the lyrics and like really digging in. And the third Mm. time is you piece them both together and like, okay, I know this song hit me. Now I need to find out why. Very cool. Yeah. So for for you, how important is it to to front to back, listen to an album? Very, very much so. Yeah. I love records.
1: I don't have as many records as like a lot of people do, but I love listening to, I love just the narrative of it all. And again, just like not just concept albums, but I think whether you're writing from just a pure place of these are all just a, a You know, songs that are put together. I still think whenever an artist recorded them or put them out, there was a sense of cohesion just by the mere fact that they collected those songs together. And you know, it's funny, sometimes I tell people we we I plan out the track listing pretty early on. Like I think what I've now realized is like earlier than a lot of people. Excuse me. And uh yeah, because I, I love how those songs like I think you can rearrange songs and it could tell a different story on the album, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny for, for Heal My Head, the opener rebirth was actually for the longest time gonna be the last song, like the very last song. Um and looking back now, like that doesn't make sense, but for the longest time, like that's how we were conceptualizing the album and it was gonna end on on the days slash sixty-six. And and once we finished the record, we we're like, you know, I think this actually would work really well as an intro going into the numbers. Um, And I'm really glad we did that because it it definitely introduced this sort of like feeling of sort of crescendo into it that I really love. And, and, you know, I think listening to a full record, you definitely get those dynamics of push and pull, which I love in records and all my favorite records have to do with not just having my favorite songs in the record, but how the songs interact. Um, yeah. And definitely try to be intentional like very intentional about making records like that and, and having them tell a story and have a certain feel and how they all play together and how they sometimes cross-reference each other. I, I just love that stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so now that now that I know your stance on it is similar to mine, yeah, one of my favorite questions that I have been asking lately to anyone putting out new music, um, especially a body of work like this. So it's a two-part question but mm. it's first what song do you think people are going to gravitate towards and then the flip side of that question is what song do you want them to gravitate to mm. yeah
1: uh so once one song for each answer right josh uh, i lost you for a second yeah yeah, yeah right be- <laughs> right before you <laughs> asked whatever question it cut out so gotcha i was just asking what so one song for each answer right yeah, I mean, if you okay. have more, go for it. But <laughs> Excuse me, man, I have this weird cough. Um, so I think the song that people will gravitate towards may be Heal My Head. Um, yeah, I don't man. This is a tough one. Not because I think that, just because I think there is something for everyone on this album, musically speaking. Right. So it's hard to say, well, Certain groups and people, I think, would gravitate towards heal my head. Other types of people might gravitate towards, like, song-like warning signs. Um, And then other people might love songs more like Miracle or, like, the chiller stuff. So it's hard to, like, depends on what kind of group we're talking about. Right. Um, So, but I I think, yeah, I really don't know how to honestly answer that question. Again, not from a place of, like, I think all of them are equally good. But just, like, it's just a very – we tried to make it – I tried to make it just, like, very diverse – Um, that genre wise, I think it's, it's hard, it's hard for me right now to pin down which one are people are going to like, and I hope they're drawn towards like the diversity in it
0: all. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll accept that for that. All right. All right. So the the flip side, excuse me, the flip side of that, what song do you really hope that they do like hook into kind of regardless of what they love?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd say warning signs. Yeah. That one means a lot to me and, and, uh, yeah, is later on the record, but I think one that I I really wrote in a time that I'm glad that song was there when it was, and yeah, hope it resonates with people because I want people who maybe feel like they're in a similar spot to know that they're not alone in feeling that, and that I'm still here, a living, so you don't have to, you know, you can make it out. So that's that's why I want people to gravitate as, as that one.
0: Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's super cool and. I totally respect that. I've got a, a second podcast that I do called um, Musicians for Mental Health oh, and a dude, lot of. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of what I, you know, the content that we have over there is similar things where, you know, mm. artists have been through these struggles and it's taking away that veil of lyrics, you know, the the easy metaphors and, you know, hiding and just saying like, look, you know, I've been through it. Life is shit sometimes. but yeah it is possible to get through this and, and be someone.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. That was warning signs. It was like in a pretty depressive, like semi-suicidal state, which I had never really found myself in that place up until like a weekend where I was like dealing with like depression and, and some sort of like unchecked shame that I'd been sitting with and and had to unpack it all and, and then wrote that song. And, and that song was just about like loving someone else and like how to accept love when you're in that state, like how hard it can feel. To be yeah. like, how do I lump anyone into this mess that I have made in my life? And is it fair to lump other people in and like my wife or, or my partner or you know, people who have kids, like I'm sure they feel that way. Like, man, like how do I raise kids when like this feels like a mess? You know, and like yeah, so that that song was was sort of exploring a lot of a lot of that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you know that's a a super common theme um, amongst people that have battled mental health problems, whether it's depression, anxiety, whatever, is like so often, especially in our darkest moments, we see ourselves as the burden. And it's like we feel like it's not fair to to have people around us because oh, we're just burdening these other people. And it's like, but obviously there are times where yes, if you're intentionally doing it in like a very narcissistic way, sure. Of course. But like the genuine side of it, like those people are in your life for a fucking reason. Like, yeah, you can accept love. It's hard, but finding out that you can accept love in your darkest times is such a rewarding experience.
1: Yeah, a life saving one sometimes. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so as we, uh, you know, talk about the darkness, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, it's cool, you know. Like, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that I love doing with this podcast is the humanization of of artists, because I think so often, obviously, we all are fanboys and, you know, we put people on pedestals and stuff, but I've been doing this for 18, almost 19 years now. And the thing that I learned through doing music journalism is at the end of the day, we're all just fucking people. And like, Mm -hmm. I think fans need to realize that too sometimes is that little reminder that at the end of the day, Kevin is just a person just like me. Like, yeah, he sings songs and he's yeah. you know this badass guitarist, but he has the same issues that I have. Absolutely. And that relatability is an incredible tool um, yeah. for connection. That is,
1: and I and I warrant this to growing up and playing music from a young age and like maybe even seeing the struggles of music and, um, that is my priority like always is to like just never pretend like I'm I'm past that because I'm not like it's not even like a oh, I need to humble myself it's like no like I'm literally just a dude I have dinner <laughs> and I go on walks when I feel stressed like you know like we're all and I every even your biggest artist in the world like it, I mean people live very different lives but there is a sense of like man we're all just doing it and and uh yeah, I, I relate to artists the most when I find like, whoa, like they really are just a, a dude or a gal that like lives life and has ups and downs. And
0: yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, no, and I think you know, obvious examples would be like Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. ones that unfortunately we've we've lost. But I just saw a TikTok yesterday, I think it was, maybe this morning. Um, but it was of James Hetfield of Metallica. Metallica. Uh, he was just on stage somewhere and, you know, in between songs when he's doing his little crowd banter, he's like, I, I have to tell you guys, like, I've really started questioning myself over the last couple months and I wasn't sure if I could still do this, you know, like, mm. he talks about even at, at his level, yeah. being in his head about, I'm just an old guy. Can I even play fucking guitar like that anymore? Yeah. Like, right? It, it, nobody's exempt from it. No one's exempt from it. Exactly. No one is exempt from it. And
1: man that's yeah that is a very deep truth and and one that on the album i try to write about too with the idea of accomplishment it's like there's no accomplishment that you can reach that's gonna make you exempt from these these questions and these things that we face and i think we're fooling ourselves like oh when i get that job or if i for me like if we're touring full-time or if this is happening and like x amount of people are like listening to our music like it'll like it'll chill me out it's like you don't know, no, you still gotta the honest work of living
0: these things out but you know even aside from from doing the work which is obviously uh, incredibly important um, I think it goes into the whole like whether you're a, a musician or not you know that job promotion sure it may make you happy in the short term but it does not fulfill you maybe not fulfill let's let's rephrase that it doesn't define who you are as a yeah I lost you again didn't i yeah yeah okay got it um so I, I think the thing is with that the accomplishment um comment that you just made is you know i think so often people are chasing that next level right like oh mm-hmm. if i get this promotion you know everything's golden after that or whatever and while it may fulfill you like fi- financially or whatever mm-hmm. like you cannot assign and allow these accomplishments to be the definition of who you are. Like yeah. you are valid, whether you get that promotion or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's hard. I'm not there. I'm definitely still right. working <laughs> on it. And it's, there's no, by no means I'm like, yeah, like I've figured that out. Cause it's tough. Right. It's like, when you think of yourself, Josh, like, pod, like I'm a podcaster, like I'm an interviewer, like, and I know what you are. Right. But at the same time, you're, you're also just, you're, you're josh and and right you know what i mean like there, there's there's just so many it's how we think of ourselves and and like I'm, I'm when i think of myself like oh i'm a musician i'm a songwriter it's like yes but all of that gets taken away at one point and then like who are you and not in like a dismal way but in a way of like it's definitely a work to be like who am i as a son or as a as a friend or as a partner or as an encourager right like right. When, pe- when i interact with people am I uplifting am i encouraging them or am i sort of like am i an asshole or am i you know what i mean like am i removing value from their life from their confidence um so yeah you could be the biggest artist in the world and still just sort of not be adding value to people's life i think you know
0: yeah yeah no i absolutely agree and i think you know not to shit on it entirely but that's kind of where the pop industry is right now. Like mm. it's such a sparkly, you know, everything's golden pop world right now. And it's like, yeah, but are we adding any value to anybody by some of these songs? Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: let's be real with people, you know? And obviously pop music's the bad example because it's always kind of in that vein of like everything's yeah. good. Yeah. But I think there's so much to be said about music like yours where like everything is good everything's okay, you know, whatever. But I went through shit to get here and I'm not afraid to tell you about the shit that I went through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's just,
1: that's what comes natural, man. And I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it as long as I got stories to tell, I think. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. man. Awesome. So um, kind of, as we, we wrap up here, obviously we've got the new album um, as of this podcast going live, it will have been out for about a week. Um, so we've got the new album out. Um, what is in the future for Valley Heart as far as 2022 are, are we having some tours that maybe aren't quite announced yet? Like what's the plan?
1: Yeah, well, we are working on as everyone is getting on the road. Um, nothing set in stone to the point of announcing or anything yet, but there are some slight things in the work to sort of get it on the road. Um, and, keep keep on sharing these songs in like we talked about a new context of a live version and, and sort of bringing into people face to face meeting people love doing that um so yeah that's going to be a big part of what we're sort of our new goals are we've sort of been head down with like the videos and the marketing yeah. and the album and you know, I didn't want to just think, oh, we need to get on the road and like just whatever on this stuff, like especially the videos, we wanted to like make some really good ones and spend a lot of time like conceptualizing and shooting those. So now it feels like we're transitioning into the headspace of, all right, putting out this record and, and trying to play it live. So um, other than that, yeah, just excited to see where, where these songs go and the conversations that it starts. And uh, and I guess just keep on doing what we're, we're doing now is just making music
0: and playing music for other people. Awesome, man. Um, so obviously I'm going to link all your socials, but to take us out here, where can people find you guys? What's the best way to interact with you online? Um, obviously at shows is the absolute best way, but yeah. until that starts happening again, where can they find you and what can they, uh, you know, how can they interact? Yeah. I mean, we're on Instagram, M A, uh,
1: Twitter as well. I usually just post random shit on Twitter that I find funny, but also mm-hmm. announcements and things. <laughs> um facebook for yeah for for those who still believe in practice um (laughs) but yeah i would say instagram mostly and and i'm i try to respond to dms as much as possible so if if anyone's ever trying to talk about lyrics or anything and you know i I love to to interact in that way too so don't feel free to reach out awesome man
0: yeah i i appreciate your time yeah thank Um,
1: thank you for your time
0: yeah absolutely. So, like I said, the album will be out um about a week before this goes out, but hopefully people have checked it out. If not, I'm gonna be you know kicking people over to it as All much right. as I can. So <laughs> um but no, i'm I'm hopeful, you know that you guys get out on the road soon. and uh, you know, as we talked before the actual episode uh, beginning, you're familiar with the Hoosier dome and, and yeah. my, my neck of the woods. So I am, you get I over am. here, let's, uh, let's, you know, link up and yeah. do this in person and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. That'd be really cool. If I'm, if I'm in the area, I'll let you know and we'll have to, to link up.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome. Kevin, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Great okay. talking. All right. Thank yeah. you, Josh. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. And that was my conversation with Kevin Klein of the band Valley Heart. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. I really did. Um, I'll be honest, you know, uh, first off, let's do the the normal, right? Like, huge shout out to Kevin for taking the time to do this conversation, uh, for being open and and letting you guys see behind the curtain a little bit on some of what goes into making a record and things like that. Um, As always, be sure to Follow the social medias, uh, interact, share with friends, things like that. All of the social media will be linked in the description of this podcast. Um, But yeah, no, I think that for me, this was a really cool conversation. I had heard a couple Valley Heart songs before, but like never really dove in um, until getting this album and the request to potentially interview and all of that. And I started really diving into it a little bit more because I wanted to, you know, know who I'm talking to and kind of experience uh, them at their fullest. So for me, this was a really cool conversation because I found out that I actually enjoyed a lot of what they had. And, you know, it's definitely gone into my rotation and I think it'll go into yours too. If you just sit down um give it the time that it deserves this album again is one of those that you definitely want to do front to back um at least the first two times through like give it a full chance uh and then from there you know pick your favorites but that's everything i've got for you guys on this episode tons of cool stuff coming up lots of stuff already recorded and scheduled um, some really, really cool things in the works, um, and yeah, I think you guys should be excited about it, because I'm excited about it, and (laughs) I think there's gonna be a lot of stuff that you'll enjoy, so, thank you guys so much for allowing me to do this podcast, for allowing me to just, you know, do the things that I do, I got to photograph fucking flogging Molly the other day, like, how cool is that, so, you know, you guys give me all this opportunity by supporting me and listening to the podcast and things like that. Be sure to head over to the shop. It'd be great if you picked up some merch. Uh, it's just you make the slash shop. Uh, and yeah, let me know what you think. And that's everything guys. So remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and you make the scene.